The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was ill. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. And after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He said this and then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death while they thought he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died, and I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were, who were with her in the house, comforting her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, 
take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd here I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. As I prayed over this gospel, I kept returning to this one line over and over. Even though we have heard this story many times through the years, as we hear the beginning of this line, we are still prompted to finish it differently. When we hear, Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus, so when he heard he was ill, we fully and reasonably expect the next line to say, So when he heard he was ill, he immediately rose and set off for Bethany. When he heard he was ill, he immediately stopped what he was doing and rushed to his bedside. We expect some immediate caring, loving, compassionate response to hearing a loved one is ill, especially from the one whom we have come to know as the primary source of love and compassion in this universe. But instead, we hear of this seemingly wholly inappropriate response to wait for two days and do nothing. And it is underscored by the use of the word so, a conjunction that means and for this reason or therefore, suggesting that what follows makes obvious sense in light of what preceded it. But how does this make sense? If, if Jesus loved them, how does it follow that he delayed two days, intentionally allowing Lazarus to die, and Martha and Mary to experience his death and mourn his loss? As I read this passage, I am reminded of the line that St. Teresa used in speaking to the Lord one day after having fallen down into the mud in a rainstorm. She said to him, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few of them. But as the story unfolds, we come to realize what Jesus knew all along. As is suggested by his later statement to the disciples that Lazarus is dead and I'm glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Now Jesus is doubling down on the mystery. Not only does he not rush to heal the friend that he loves, but now he says he is glad that Lazarus is dead. But of course the that you may believe line is the key. We start to realize that this event is not really about Lazarus or Martha or Mary. It is about coming to believe. You see, the circumstances of Lazarus's death are quite different than the other two people that Jesus has previously raised from the dead. The daughter of Jairus, the synagogue official in Mark chapter 5, had just died before Jesus arrived at her bedside. If you remember, Jesus actually said to the mourners, she is not dead, only sleeping. 
And the son of the widow in the town of Nain, in Luke chapter 7, was being carried out to be buried, which according to the customs of the day would have occurred on the same day as his death, so he had just recently died as well. In both of these prior cases, it could have been argued by the skeptical that Jesus had not raised them from the dead, but that they only mistakenly were thought to be dead, and Jesus Jesus had simply exposed the mistake, or at best that he had brought about a healing and not a resurrection. But in the case of Lazarus, there was to be no doubt, because after all, it wasn't about Lazarus. It was about the faith of the people. Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. There was no question he was dead. A detail ensured by Jesus' own self-imposed delay in getting to the scene. And Lazarus's four-day-old corpse being brought back to life was meant to be the undeniable miracle that not only made apparent the glory of God, but was the act that led the many Jews who had seen what Jesus had done to begin to believe in him. And just as Jesus calls Lazarus to come out, so too we need to hear him calling to us today. For no doubt many of us feel like we are in a tomb, cut off, bound up, isolated and fearful. We have had our lives completely disrupted unlike anything in recent memory. Seemingly all the things that we felt secure in have been shaken. Our finances, our jobs, our health care, our government, our sustenance, our personal safety, and even our means of worship. For unlike other worldly threats, this one has no boundaries. Unlike hunger or poverty or war, it is not simply a threat to the poor or the uneducated or those far removed, underprivileged, beyond our daily acquaintance or experience. No, this one has gotten to Tom Hanks to Prince Charles, to professional athletes, to the wealthiest and most exclusive members of our society. And of course, that means if it can get to them, it can get to us. But as we are shaken from our complacency, our false security, as the world looks with renewed interest toward the one unshakable source of protection, power, and provision, are we not also being called from our own personally dug graves of sin, of lust, of false idols, of pride, unforgiveness, and greed. And don't we need to be? For as devastating as serious illness is, for as life-changing the loss of a job, financial security, freedom to come and go as we please may be, in and of themselves they will not determine our final destiny. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. For just as Lazarus' death was not, in fact, a tragic ending, but an empowering opportunity for Lazarus, Martha, Mary, and all the rest who witnessed it, so is this time of challenge and uncertainty an opportunity to find our way back to the one who saves. Just as Jesus saw the death of Lazarus as an opportunity, so we too need to see the challenge of this COVID-19 pandemic as an opportunity for conversion, for repentance, for reunion, for empowerment.
Jesus had a purpose, an intention, although not always obvious, in all that he did, in all that he does. For God's goal for our lives is quite simply that we achieve salvation. Jesus came to earth to die on the cross to make it possible. If he was willing to go that far to ensure our chance to be saved, is it not reasonable to think he desires the same outcome through the routine and not-so-routine events of our lives? The answer to the present crisis is the same answer. Christ and the love of Christ, in the flesh and in the person of our neighbor. Only by trusting in God and his provision, his love and his empowerment, can we act in faith, in love, in charity, and with self-control, in a world that has been learning for some time to do anything but. For it is a faithless generation that hoards toilet paper and hand sanitizer for for itself at the expense of others. But don't despair. Our success is not measured in how many get sick or how many die, not in the economic impact or in the coming election results, but in how we respond, how we take only what we need so to ensure enough for others, how we stay home even though we may be bored or tense or unhappy that our way of life has changed, the way we pray and remain faithful even though our routines of piety have been interrupted and denied. For while we may not be able to pursue our comfortable, established patterns of worship and sacrament, we may never have had more reason to pray and more people in need of our prayers, while at the same time having more time to pray than we have ever had in our lives. And the source of our hope, our empowerment, that encouragement remains unchanged, full of love and mercy and still focused not on the length of our earthly life, but on our attainment of eternal life. For it is for that purpose he will open our graves and have us rise from them, putting his Spirit in us. For if Christ is in us, although our bodies be dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And it is through his Spirit dwelling in us that our mortal bodies are given life by the one who raised not only Lazarus, but Jesus from the dead. For questions or comments on this podcast, email deaconjoe2017 at gmail.com.